Halleluja. Third, third day of the third month. And we are continuously in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, continually giving ourselves to the preaching of the word and for prayer. And even as we are here this morning in the presence of the Lord. With one purpose. To hear from him. Even as we meditate through scriptures. Jesus had an indictment against the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures for you believe that in them you have eternal life. But all the scriptures testify about me. And the very word of life was right there in their midst. And they couldn't recognize him. And this morning, even as we meditate upon the word, the scriptures, we, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him. We want to see how much he loves us. We want to see the righteousness of God. We want to see the holiness of God. We want to see the love of God. We want to see the wholeness of God. Even though, even if it is in part, so that through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we could be transformed a little more into his likeness. And this morning, therefore, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, to the ministry of the word, that you would anoint us afresh this morning. Your anointing will teach us all things, will lead us to truth, and we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Liberate us, O oh Lord, this morning a little more. Set us free from the passions of this world from this from the bondages and the clutches of the of of sin and of the flesh and of the world set us free liberate us a little more today O lord jesus from the power of sin and grant us O lord jesus the blessing O lord father of knowing you and enjoying you and following you and obeying you all the days of our life thank you father teach us teach us your ways show us your paths and lead us to the way of eternal life we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, we've been looking at uh, in the book of Nehemiah and the book of uh, Judges uh, through these uh, Wednesday, I mean through the week, and we're looking topically at certain certain things uh, on Wednesdays and on Sundays. But this morning, uh, I just wanted to look at one um, passage from the book of Judges, uh, which uh, which really spoke to me. When even as even as was even as pastor was sharing from the book of judges we want to look at judges chapter 2 if you will let's read from verses 1 to 5 judges chapter 2 verses 1 to 5 then the angel of the lord that is jesus himself okay the theophany jesus himself is there then the angel of the lord came up from gilgal to bochim and said i led you up from egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. What a fantastic promise, right? Hmm? I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars. There are just two things he asks. Don't make any covenant with the inhabitants of the land. In a sense, of course, there are several aspects in, in those two things. Um, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? And do they have an answer? <laughs> no. <laughs> you see, he said, I will not break my covenant with you. 
And why did you do this? See, that is exactly what God keeps on asking us. Why have you done this? What have you done? Why have you done? Next, verse 3. Verse 3 and 3 to 6. Therefore I said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So it was when the the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Then they called the name of that place Bochem, because there were a bunch of weepers. It's a plural, okay? (laughs) Baka is weep, (laughs) Bochem is weepers. And they sacrifice there to the Lord. Isn't it interesting? It's so easy to sacrifice. But God says to obey is better than sacrifice. Right? And then Joshua dismissed the people and the children of Israel went to each of his own inheritance to possess the land. Think about that. Did they go to drive out the inhabitants? No. Did they get fired up about? See, that's the reason why weeping is such a a spiritual thing. But God doesn't just look at weeping. He looks at something far beyond weeping. If you turn with me to Psalm chapter 6 verse 8. Psalm chapter 6 verse 8. It's very, we know this very well. Depart from me all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. I like that. <laughs> he didn't hear my weeping. He heard the voice of my weeping. Because weeping has a voice. You see. Everybody weeps. So God looks at your weeping. And sometimes he doesn't even hear your voice. Exactly. See? I'll, I'll show you, give you an example. The very, the very first time weeping appears in the Bible, the law of first appearance as I call it, no? So we will learn as to what God hears. He loves people who weep. Okay. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 onwards. 8 to 10 and then, uh, 8 to 11 and then from verse 14. So the child grew and was weaned. This is Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day and I, same day that Isaac was weaned. Okay, this is essentially uh, the feasting day of a uh, spiritual father. The feasting day of a spiritual father is when all his children have been weaned. <laughs> they come of age and they can stand on their own. Okay, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who she, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Whom he was scoffing, the person who has come of age. See, the moment you come of age, you come from being a spiritual baby and you want to overcome your flesh, the flesh will begin to mock you. Okay, that's essentially what it is, scoffing. Alright, and then, look, look at, uh, we're not, that is not today's, uh, today's, uh, study. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac, and the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's side because of the son. So God says, now listen to your, uh, to your, uh, to your wife. And then go on to, from verse 14 onwards. Okay, so she's cast out. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and skin of water, put it on, putting it on her shoulder, he gave it, uh, and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba and and the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs and she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite to him and lifted up her voice and wept. Now this is the first time the word wept is appears in the Bible. 
till now people are not weeping okay that's interesting okay this is the first time or maybe they were weeping or maybe it was not even recorded but the first time the word weeping or bakha appears in the bible is when Ma- madam hager lifts up her voice and weeps and it's very interesting what the next verse says and god heard the voice of the ah i mean it's, he didn't even look pay attention to the voice of the of madam Then the angel of the Lord called called to Hagar out of heaven and said, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard your voice of weeping. No. God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up your hand. You see? God doesn't even think about this guy. You're you're weeping. Because he knows. Why are you weeping? What are you weeping for? Flesh also weeps. Flesh weeps and God doesn't even smell that weeping. He says it's an abomination in my sight. One fellow, another fellow who wept. <laughs> okay. Genesis chapter 27, verse 35 onwards. You know, it's right very well. So this is interesting, okay. Isaac, look at Isaac, okay. The, the boy of promise, the man of promise, who was born in, was born of promise. It begins his life with, uh, in an incredible fashion. Now he's willing to sell his to sell the spiritual blessing for meat. You cook me some good meat, I will bless you. How long does it take to good, cook some good meat? Tell me. Go to Eagles here in Hyderabad. Okay. He will give you fantastic meat. Spend about 1000 rupees for a one and a half kilo of meat. Cook it nicely. Does it take any time? Oh, at least okay, that fellow went for hunting, but he's a fantastic hunter. It's not a big deal for him to hunt. Cook some meat and give me. It's so easy for him to bless. Can blessing of God be given just by cooking? So, anyways, he does. He's he's ready to do it. So, what happens? Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? You didn't even, were not even interested, right? Then Isaac answered to Esau, indeed I have made him your master. And his brother, and all his brothers, brothers I have given to him, uh, as servants with grain and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? Esau said to his father, have you not one blessing, my father? Bless me also my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. You see. But that's exactly the reason the writer of Hebrews says, go to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 onwards. 15 to 17. Mm-hmm. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of what? Bitterness. I told you, you know, the whole world is full of wormwood. The waters of the world have been corrupted by the spirit of wormwood. Everybody, they cannot speak properly, anybody. Okay. Their intentions are wrong. Hmm? Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like you saw. Why is he a fornicator or profane person? Because he's, he makes the things of God and makes it common. And he's fornicating with the world. Who for one morsel of food, Sold his birthright. And verse 17 says, very interesting. It says, for you know afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance even though it sorted diligently with tears. You see. So, how, how should our tears be? 
Now, how should our tears be? I like this Psalm 56 verse 8. Like that. Beautiful verse. You can possibly think about this. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? What a verse. Uh, super, no? <laughs> so you, it's like you're, you're shedding tears and God is collecting all of those tears. Those are precious tears. And he's saying, boy, I don't want to waste these tears. And I've put them in a bottle. Those, those, that tears will add up to the tears of my son. He also wept. Okay. He also wept. I collected all those tears and I put them in a bottle. Okay. And now every tear that you shed is a record. Okay. So don't shed tears, <laughs> which cannot be recorded. They are all wasted otherwise. So many tears are wasted tears, no? So they wept. There are a bunch of weepers. So many people in the Bible wept. You can do a study on weeping. <laughs> from big, from Genesis to Revelation, you can see all the people who wept. Even Saul wept. Yeah. And he shed tears and he said, Oh, David, you are more righteous than me. And he wept. <laughs> but couldn't change. See. So, but what did God ask? <laughs> he asked them how many things? Two things. Let us look at that. Let's go back to Judges chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Yeah. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And I'm asking only two things of you. Do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. That's a very interesting verse. You know, the inhabitants of the earth. In other words, don't make covenants with earth dwellers. First, Second, tear down their altars. Only two things I'm asking. Don't make a covenant with the dwellers of the earth. And second thing, break down their altars. This is such a fundamental thing for all of us. What does it mean? The question is, they're all inhabitants of the earth. What are you an inhabitant of? Ah, you see. Our habitat has changed. You know that. We were of the world and now we are no longer of the world. We are of God. So where has the habitat changed? You know this verse very well, right? Turn to Psalm um, 90 verses 1. That's enough. Hmm. That's enough. Verse, verse 1 and 2 is enough. But let's see. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. What? In all generations. Our habitat is what? God. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, he, he looks, looks something very interesting. Our habitat completely changed once we became believers or born again. Let's read from verses 1 to 5. 1 to 6 in fact. 1 to 6. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted your lives, uh, uh, conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us with, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit 
together in heavenly places in Christ. That is our habitation as of now. But where were we initially? There were seven, there are seven things he mentions over there. He says we are first people who are dead in our transgressions and trespasses. Yeah, right? Trespasses and sins. And then we followed the course of this world. There are several courses in this world. Okay. Okay. Every university has courses. Okay. So, so many courses we took in this world. Okay. Good courses and bad courses. <laughs> uh, what? Upgrade? Udemy? What else? What all courses have you taken? So many courses are available now. Okay. CS450, for example. <laughs> Harvard University. So many courses are there. Okay. And other courses too. We walked according to the course. What is the course of this world? In other words, if you don't take the course of this world, you will not get a job in this world. Essentially, that's the idea. Our entire mindset is in this world. We were like that. How according to the prince of the power of the air. What is the world? John 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 in the KJV please. It's very interesting in the KJV. It is, what, is, what is what it says in sway of the wicked one, power of the evil one is all the other translation. Look at what it says in KJV. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the evil one. The word wickedness is evil and poneros. We are, the whole world is in the evil one. That means the habitation of this world is in the evil one. And what are we supposed to be? We are supposed to be in Christ. We are not in the world. We are not, if we are in the world, then we are in the evil one. We are uninfluenced by the power of the evil one. And so what does, what does, what does a prayer? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the power of the evil one. And where is the power of the evil one? As long as you are in this world and your mind is in this world, you are influenced by the power of the evil one. Okay. So when he says, don't make covenant with the earth dwellers, you understand that the whole world is under the power of the evil one, whether it is good or bad. Okay, that is the reason why in Romans he says, they all become inventors of evil. That's very remarkable. See, evil, the cell phone in itself is not evil. It's, it's neutral. Like yesterday pastor was saying, money, it takes the color of the person who holds it. Money is neutral. Okay. Money in the hands of a believer, hopefully, who is a giver, who is a person who wants to, who knows that he understands the principle of stewardship and of saving so that he can save, so that he can give away, be a blessing. Money in his hands is a blessing, but money in the hands of the others, not a blessing. So they become inventors of evil. Okay. So, so whole world lies in the wicked. And so let's go back there. No, he says we were dread in our trespasses. We followed the course of this world. We were influenced by the prince of the power of the air. Okay. We were influenced by the prince of the power of the air. We were people whose spirit was a spirit of what? Disobedience. See, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey, according to Acts chapter 10 verse 32. So if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are people who have this desire inside of our heart to obey God. And on the other hand, what is the spirit there? The spirit of disobedience is working in them. Right? And what is the other, other thing that says, verse 3? It says, the next one, among those whom you once conducted yourselves in the lusts of your flesh. That means, we are not partakers of the divine nature anymore. We are partaking of the nature of the enemy, fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And what were we doing? Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 
And I will put it very interesting. We were gratifying the, des- the cravings of the flesh by following the, its desires and its thoughts. Whose thoughts? The desires of the flesh and the thoughts of the flesh. That is the reason why the carnal mind is in enmity against God. And therefore you should be transformed in the spirit of your mind, he says. Be transformed or be renewed in the spirit of him. In the attitude of every attitude of the flesh is what? Craving for yourself. And then we were like the rest, what? By nature, objects of wrath. Who's wrath? He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And the wrath of God abides in him. <laughs> you see, we become objects of wrath. That is our habitation. Before. And that is the habitation of all these fellows. What are they? We are not judging them. We are saying that this is where we were previously also. He says, don't make any covenant with them. I want to look at this particular aspect in a little more detail. We looked at it in several contexts, but I want to look at it in a little more detail today. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 onwards. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And he gives several reasons. Do not be yoked together. Now, <clears throat> it's a very interesting word, yoke. You know, yoke comes from this, from the Greek word zygote. <laughs> what is it? Zygote. And this entire thing, yoked together with unbelievers, is one phrase in the Greek, heterozygote. Okay, everybody knows, no? What is heterozygote? What is heterozygote? Two different kinds of species <laughs> trying to come together and create one new species. Mixing the seed. That's what it says in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the dream of Daniel. The last one is iron mixed with clay. They will try to mingle themselves with the seed of men, it says. Okay. The son, they say the angels, the sons of God saw the daughters of men and created a Nephilim. They created a new species. And he says, don't be yoked together. And of course, we are talking about a new old covenant idea where the idea was not to put an ox and a donkey together. When you, why, why should you not put an ox and a donkey together? If you whip the ox, it works faster and becomes more efficient. And on the other hand, it will talk back to you. <laughs> exactly, it'll talk back to you. And Balaam was a donkey, and his donkey talked back to him. You see, it'll talk, talk back to you. It'll say, "What are you doing? Okay. Where are my rights?" In other words, okay. <laughs> you see, and you whip an ox. That is the reason why in Telugu it says, "Manchi manishukoka mata, manchi goodukoka dabba." Means for a good man, one word is enough. For a good ox, one shot is enough. It will work finer. It will work more efficiently. And he says, do not be yoked. Meaning, don't create a new species by yoking yourself. That is the reason why, when he tells in the book of Malachi, why did I make you one? So that you can bring forth a what seed? A godly seed. A godly offspring. The, the word in, in, in KJV is even more uh, uh, 
uh, what do you say, uh, graphic. He says, don't create a, you want, I want you to have a godly seed. And if you are without, without discipline, you are what? You are, you are of the wrong seed. Actually, the translation. You are of the wrong seed. So he says, don't be yoked together with the unbelievers because you cannot mix these two seeds. You have the very DNA of God flowing through you. How can you take the DNA of God and mix it up with the DNA of the devil? Is the point. And he gives us several reasons there. See, because we, we want reasons, right? <laughs> so the most important statement, as I said in the new covenant is the word for. So he says, for what do righteousness and unrighteousness have in common? What is that? How, what is, you know, in, in the case, you put, put it, put it in the case of, yeah. What fellowship has unrighteousness and lawlessness, uh, fellowship, uh, righteousness and law, uh, lawlessness have, have in common? Of course, righteousness and lawlessness have in common. It's a very interesting word. The word for fellowship is, uh, for, for, for fellowship in the, if you want to understand this, uh, you should look at Psalm 122. Just go to Psalm 122, okay? Psalm 122. I'll show you a verse. Psalm 122. Let's see what, what it says. Psalm 122. No, 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 no. Not, not yet. Not, not. This is Psalm 122. I'll tell you. Uh, uh, don't, the element of surprise has to come a little later, okay? Uh, Psalm 122, okay? Psalm 122. Look at what it says. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of Jerusalem. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And what is Jerusalem? What does it mean? The place of teaching. Yara Shalem. Shalem means completeness. What is that? Completeness or peace or perfection. Okay, it has so, so many connotations. Yara means teaching. A teaching which produces completeness is Yara Shalem. And so when you go down from Jericho, Yerushalayim to Jericho, you will be attacked by thieves who will traumatize you. And we have to pour what? Oil and wine so that we can put you together. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty together again. That was what pastor was talking to us. Remember those old, uh, that someone was a powerful someone. Anyway, our feet had been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Look at what it says in verse 3. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Now let us go to LXX. Look at what it says in LXX. Set a Septuagint. Psalm 122 in Septuagint. Okay. I mean, I love it. Okay. Let's read it. Click. Okay. A song of degrees. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet stood in thy courts of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a, is built as a city whose fellowship is, nah, whose fellowship is coming. It's the same word which is used. What fellowship can have a, a, a righteousness with lawlessness? Meaning, how can you finish a complete structure with a person Who's not yoked to God? Jerusalem is a city whose fellowship is complete. I love that. Yesterday, Pastor was talking about fellowship or fracture. <laughs> <Kya baat? laughs> okay. This actually talks about the spirit of yesterday's sermon, if you if you heard it very carefully. Okay. In other words, it's impossible to complete complete fellowship with an unbeliever. And how does, how did it happen in the early church? All those who gladly received the word were baptized and they, what? Gave themselves to the teaching of the apostle doctrine and fellowship. They came under teaching and the teaching was complete through fellowship. I'm telling you something very important. 
How do you understand the length, the length and the breadth and the height and the width of the love of God? Together with the saints, it says. Together with the saints. My goodness. It's a very, Australia was possibly one of the most convicting words. You, you, if you really hear that word in, um, in that spirit, you'll get depressed for a while and then you have to challenge, get challenged. Fellowship is complete. So, so, so many, the problem is, um, in so many homes, the fellowship is not complete. Fellowship is complete. Let's go on. I'll, we'll finish it in LXX, okay? For thither the tribes went up. The who of God? The tribes of the Lord. The tribes are different, different people. But they are what? Completing one another in fellowship. As a testimony for Israel. To give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones for judgment, even thrones for the house of David. Isn't it interesting that whenever we come to the house of the Lord, what are we actually doing? We put a throne for God through our praise. And from that throne, God preaches through the pulpit. Right? And when God preaches, hopefully it is God who preaches through the pulpit. And when God preaches through the pulpit, what are we supposed to do? Judge our hearts. You see, in other words, when we say, Lord, be in the, enthroned in the praises of our people, and after that what? <laughs> after that what? Stand there and watch us? No? No, 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 no. Throne is set for something. Oh, yes. Because one day we have to all stand with it. This is now still a judgment seat. It is a, still a throne of grace and mercy. Okay. Grace will show you, it will convict you and say mercy, mercy will give you, mercy will give you, uh, uh, repent, I mean, he will extend repentance and forgiveness and then he says, be reconciled to me. Okay. Okay. Even thrones for the house of David. Pray now for the peace of Jerusalem. Let there be prosperity to them that love thee. Let peace, I pray, be within thy host, within thy host, and prosperity in thy palaces. For the sake of my brethren and my brothers, I have indeed spoken peace concerning thee. So this is very important. What fellowship? So think about this. That is the reason why do not waste time with people from the outside. And even if they are not equally yoked, see, every church has its own vision. You have to be yoked with those people who are in tune with the vision which is given to the church. Don't waste your time with others. If you turn with me to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Don't waste your time, okay? Don't waste your time. Let's read from verse 16 onwards. And we'll read it in um, NIV and then on in MSG, okay? Other Benjamites and some men from, the Ju- from Judah also came to David in his stronghold. Okay? First time. David went out to meet them and said to them, If you have come to me in peace... To help me. I am ready to have you unite with me. Okay. Otherwise, please don't waste my time. Okay. <laughs> okay. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies when my hands are free from violence, may the God of our fathers see it and judge you. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, chief of the thirty, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are with you, O son of Jesse. Success, success to you. Actually, the other translations will use, will use the word peace, peace to you. Actually, I think it's in, 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 in KGV only maybe. Hmm? Yeah, sorry. Peace, peace to you and peace to your helpers. We are all here to help you. We all, we want to complete the fellowship. Hmm. We, want to, we don't want to destroy the fellowship. We don't want to bring a breach in the wall. 
Okay. A peace to your helpers. For your God helps you. So David received them and made them captors, captains of the troops. See, he gave them, how, the principle is here. The principle of assigning, uh, what do you say, uh, positions of, um, of responsibility is, are you going to work with me and for me? Are you going to work against me? You understand that? Please don't waste my time otherwise. Okay. <laughs> please leave. He says, that's what he said. Please don't waste my time. If you are not here to help me, please. Okay, so that is the reason why if you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Hmm? Onwards, actually 18 onwards. If you And I told them of the good hand of my God, which had been upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work, and look at what it says. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed, laughed at us and despised it, and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? And look at Nehemiah's answer. So I answered them and said to them, the God of him, God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. You are no part in this. We are not going to allow you to build the house of God with us. We want we want to have our fellowship. What? Complete. You see? So what is the whole idea as to why we can't make our covenant, why can't we make a covenant with the unbelievers? Simply because they will not bring completeness into our lives. Okay. There will be something. And even, even us, we should ask ourselves, is there anything in our lives which is hindering us to give ourselves completely, completely to God? Okay. Remember? In Matthew chapter 19, don't have to turn there. Uh, rich young ruler comes to him and he says, what shall I do to gain eternal life? And he says, uh, keep the commandments. And he says, how many? Uh, six commandments, he says. And Jesus says, if you want to be complete. Hmm. If you want to be complete, sell all that you have. So first thing, don't have fellowship. Second thing it says, turn with, turn again to First Corinthians chapter 16. 6 and verse uh, uh, 14, uh, it says, <clears throat> do not be yoked for what, uh, sorry, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with what? Darkness. The word for communion is, is intimacy, koinonia, very intimacy, intimate fellowship. You see, light and darkness cannot be together. Okay, what should light do? It displays darkness. You remember that that verse in John's Gospel, chapter one. In him was light, and the light was the life of men, and the light shines in darkness. And ah, the darkness does not overcome it. Meaning, if what is the purpose of light to overpower darkness? But the problem is what is happening over here. Most of the time. <laughs> that darkness is not uh, light. Light is not overpowering darkness. Darkness is actually dis- extinguishing the light. Right? You remember what happens in First uh, Samuel chapter three? If you turn there, what what, did, what does it mean for uh, uh, light? What does it what does it mean? Okay, now First Samuel chapter three, chapter three and verse one onwards. Yeah. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was very rare in those days, and there was no widespread. Revelation or light. 
Okay. So that is, that's what we're, we're talking about. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God, right? And it came at, uh, to twice at that time while Eli was lying in his place and when his eyes had been growing so dim that he could not see. And verse 3 is very interesting. And the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. Almost before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of the covenant was and while Samuel was lying down. What is happening? The light was getting extinguished before because of darkness. And he says, you cannot have intimacy between the two. Light and darkness cannot have intimacy. Intimacy. Can you share? <laughs> light and darkness? Impossible. They don't even understand it. Some translations will use the word, the light, the darkness does not overcome it. The, the light, darkness does not comprehend it. They don't understand. You'll be talking something about God and they have no idea what, as to what you're, what you're saying. Okay, Because their value system is completely different from your value system. Light and darkness cannot have anything. So what do we, what does it mean? One of the things that we always have to be challenged is we have to grow in light. Yeah? If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 onwards. Yeah? We know this verse very well. For you were once darkness, but now you are light where? In the Lord. As long as you are in the Lord, you have light. Walk as children of light. Okay. He says there are 12 hours in a day. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Darkness is coming when no man can work. Okay. How, where, where, where did God meet Adam and Eve in the cool of the, of the day, not of the night? God met Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. It is in the light they have fellowship. Why is it? What does it? What does it mean? It means that everything which is of darkness is 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 being brought into your into light every day. Let's go back there. Ephesians chapter five. Walk as children of light and go on. Verse nine onwards. Verse nine nine onwards. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That means what your your revelation about who God is is. Is go, is increasing more and more. How how do you know it is increasing more and more? You know you are finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. This is acceptable, and this is not acceptable. How that's a, that's the reason why it says in Romans chapter twelve verse two, being transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may prove that which is good, ah, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Okay, and then finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and then go on. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And why should you not have fellowship with darkness? Because they don't love to come into the light. John chapter 3 verse 20 will say that, right? Rather expose them for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. In other words, it is impossible for those people who are in darkness to absolutely be transparent. It's impossible. That is the reason light and darkness cannot come together. Okay. Jesus was a man without guile. Nathaniel was without guile. And most of the disciples, at least only one fun fellow was not uh, was guileless, was not without guile. Everybody else were guile, without guile, at least to a certain extent. And God, Jesus could have fellowship with only 12, by the way. Hmm? You see? But everything exposed by light becomes visible. Verse 14. 
That's verse 13. Okay? But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever make, makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, arise you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. You see, he is the one who gives, give, keeps giving you light. He is the one who adds to you. Okay. And if you are in darkness and if you are a person who is now, what, what intimacy, love, uh, darkness and light can have? Impossible to have intimacy. See, see uh, it's right. the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. He has intimacy with them. I am the Lord who inhabits eternity and I am also dwelling with him with a humble and a contrite heart. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are stayed upon him. See? Intimacy. So first thing he talks about, you cannot have intimacy with them. So first thing he talks about is um, you cannot have fellowship with them. Second, he talks about you cannot have intimacy with them. Third thing, he says, what concord has Christ with Belial or consensus? Okay, concord means consensus. What can, you cannot have agreement. Okay, if you want to understand this principle, turn with me to Matthew chapter eighteen. We looked at this in more detail yesterday. Matthew chapter eighteen was eighteen onwards. Matthew chapter eighteen was eighteen. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two, it doesn't even say one, I'm oh, sorry, three, no, two. if two of you agree, okay, the word for agree is, you know, the, the, the Greek is very interesting, symphony. Okay. So if in a house for between a husband and a wife, there should be symphony. You should, you should sing in parts. So it will be a nice harmony. Okay. Symphony will lead to harmony. Otherwise it will lead to cacophony. And what do we, what do we do with cacophonics? The bard? Throw him out. <laughs> if you read asterisks, right? <laughs> He's always bound and th- thrown out. <laughs> I, mean, I like that. What is he doing? This, he is coming and disrupting the symphony. Okay. Two of you agree. Anything concerning earth that you ask, it will be done for you, for them by my Father in heaven. That is the reason why marriages get attacked, simply because enemy knows the scripture more than believers. Or rather, he believes scripture more than. <laughs> that is the reason why he says even the demons believe and they tremble. But you fellas, they tremble. If they agree, finished. Can you imagine four or five couples in a, in a church? Absolute symphony. Because how does it start? It starts with fellowship. Okay? Because fellowship is where teaching judgment, right? Second, it starts with what? Intimacy. <laughs> Third, agreement. You see that? The pattern? First is intimacy. You, you, what is intimacy? It says, uh, Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. You know why? Because everything in their heart they were bringing out to the light. They were not hiding anything from each other. That's the reason why you should have joint accounts. If you spend, who will get the SMS? <laughs> exactly. Why did you spend this? What happened to this money? Oh, it's good. Huh? Many men, they don't do it. Okay, they don't, I mean, they give the, it's simply because there is no what? 
agreement. We have our own uh, agendas. Each of them have their own agendas as to how the money should be spent. They don't trust each other. But, you know, we should come to a point where we are able to do that. And they made me a treasurer once upon a time to my to my youth fellowship. I used to get irritated with their spending. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, when I was growing up, this youth fellowship, they used to, they made me a treasurer. Oh boy, stupid, stupid things I used to spend. And they'll bring you a receipt. But what do you do? You have been elected. Yeah, you have to. They said, oh, "I'm the president. You're the I'm the secretary. You're the treasurer. You're signed." That's it. Don't ask questions. Unbelievable. You see. So joint accounts are good. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, <laughs> immediately they'll say, from where did you get this money? For what happened to this? It's good to keep you on their toes, no? Because if one of you is a spendthrift, the other will be your Hmm, yeah, yeah, okay. He will put that bridle in your mouth, he or she will put it depending upon who is the spendthrift, and he will control and say, This does not need it. That is okay. This is where we can spend. This is how much we have to give, etc. But we have to work out all these things. Okay, if you start with the family and then we work, we extrapolate it to the church, right? And then if five families who agree come together, can you imagine? One can put thousand to five, two can put. 10,000 of, what an, what an exponential, what kind of an equation is that? I don't know. We should, this is, that is the reason why the greatest contribution of the Jewish people to, to the economy is, is, you know what? Anybody knows? The principle of compound interest. What is it happening? What is happening? Compounding. They got it from, from God. 1,000. Two, ten thousand. Hurry, how do we get it? Compound interest. <laughs> you see? The greatest contribution. You see? So it cannot be intimacy. There cannot be intimacy. So what does it mean? You cannot have... You, that is the reason why it says, if you have fellowship with him, okay, you have fellowship with him, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why? You're, because you're walking in the light as he is in the light. Then you have fellowship with Think about this, no? We, by walking in the light, can have fellowship with the apostles. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 2, chapter 1. Okay. And your fellowship is with us, he says, John. Remarkable. So what symphony can have Christ with Belial? And you know who Belial is, right? <laughs> the son of the devil. Again, go back to uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 onwards again. Yeah? Again, I say to you, if two, if two or of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For there are, where there are two or three witnesses are uh, gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. What is happening when, when God is there in our midst, everything which is, which is hidden in the, hidden in the heart is coming out and we are judging ourselves, we are cleansing ourselves, we have absolute transparency with one another, we are not hiding from each other, we know each other very well. Okay. That is the reason a community is very interesting, very important. Community, everybody knows the other. Okay, Abel stays very close to my apartment. Whatever I speak here, they hear. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so one day Emmanuel was getting disciplined. They heard. 
so if he is getting disciplined because of uh, father's uh, uh, pride or father's dis- uh, love they know okay <laughs> you see it's it's and whatever happens there also we also hear for poor things the, the babies are uh, early in the morning they are weeping no they are crying so it's it's important we that's how that's what you are talking about there's absolute transparency between the other we are not we are not trying to hide from each other no we know each other's weaknesses very well there's nothing there which is hidden fellowship is so important hmm? otherwise so what happens luke chapter luke gospel chapter 5 luke's gospel chapter 5 verse 36 onwards hmm? and let's read it in kjv okay yeah then he spoke to them in a parable yeah then he spoke to them also in a parable unto them no man put the piece of piece of new garment upon an old if otherwise then both the new make it a rent and the Peace that was taken out of the new, what? Agrees not with the old. He doesn't agree. New, <laughs> new cloth and an old cloth. New cloth will shrink. Old cloth already shrunk. Now this fellow will tear the old. See? So ruptures will come. Fragments will happen. Okay. That is the reason why we should not be stitched together. We should be Knit together. Agree with the old. And then go on. Let's read from verse 36. And no man put a new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and we spill and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles and both are preserved. And love verse 39. Very interesting. Honest verse. No man having drunk old wine straight away desires the new. For he says the old is better. So it, let us give time to each other. Okay. To come together, start agreeing with each other. You need to give time to, for each other to grow, you see? That is what a fellowship is, right? That is what even a family is. Okay, we have two children, Abigail and Emmanuel, okay? And uh, Abigail can be pushed and she can study. But Emmanuel, she needs time to grow. <laughs> so we have to give space for everyone to grow, right? That is what it means. Let's move, let's move on. Then, uh, so it's such a dangerous thing. Uh, because uh, if you look at Acts chapter 5 verse 7, we know this was very well, Acts chapter 5 verse 7, Acts chapter 5 verse 7, now about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, we know this person who it is, Ananias, and Peter answered, uh, answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much, she said yes for so much, and then, and Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. It's powerful. This is, a, this is a, the power of agreement. So dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Alright. Let's go back to Ephesians. Now let's go back to First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 again. Yeah. Um, and what accord has Christ with Belal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What part? Okay. Now what does this mean? So this is very important to understand. That we are, one of the comparisons that uh, uh, the church is compared to is the body. Okay. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 onwards. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 onwards. This is what it says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what is the purpose? Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a complete man. So what our fellowship has to be? Complete. To a perfect man or a complete man, to the measure, and what is a complete man, what is the standard? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in other words, no, none of us in our own self can come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is together we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How, so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning plot, uh, craftiness of deceitfulness, deceitful plotting and verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him we are, uh, who is the head now how do we grow up, verse 16 is beautiful, look at what it says from whom the whole body joined and knit together but by what every joint the word is part again, every part supplies, look at this in other words, why can't we have a part with unbelievers? That part is a dead part. It cannot supply anything to you. It's like uh, maybe your appendix, I don't know. <laughs> it cannot do anything. It cannot supply to you. It cannot, in, in other words, it cannot be a, 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 a thing which edifies you. No, remember that? It says, uh, all of, at each, as each one of you have received a gift of the grace of God, Use it for the <coughs> ministering or the edifying of one another. He who shows hospitality, show hospitality with kindness by the power that God supplies. He who prophesies, let him speak as the oracles of God. So that in all things who may be glorified, Christ may be glorified. All of us have a, have a part to play. And this fellow cannot even supply anything to the body of Christ. He cannot supply. Okay. So how does this happen? By Jesus washing us. And that fellow is not even a believer. How can he be washed? Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 13. <coughs> verse 2 onwards. John's Gospel chapter 13 verse 2 onwards. And supper being ended. The devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon's son to betray him. Jesus knowing that the father has given all things into his hand. And that he had come from God and was going to God. He was absolutely secure. You see rose from supper, lay aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the whose feet? The disciples' feet. What is it? It's a picture of Jesus taking the water of the word of God, okay, and washing those ideas which connect, which get touched with the world, okay? Earth dwellers, right? We are, we always are walking in this world and what God has to constantly wash us, cleanse us from all these worldly ideas. Every time we go into the world and come back from office to, to church, what, what we need is a thorough cleansing of the word of God so that all those worldly ideas get washed away. And it says, he poured out water into a basin, began to wash disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded and then then he came to Simon Peter and Simon said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And then Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You have no part. That is the reason why he says in 1 Corinthians, you have been washed. 
you are like this, you are like this, turn with me there. No, to First Corinthians chapter 6, if I'm right. Just uh, uh, First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5, uh, verse 10 onwards. Verse 10 onwards, okay. Verse 10 onwards, okay. Oh, verse, maybe verse 7 onwards, we can read it, okay. First Corinthians chapter um, Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to uh, law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself be cheated, okay. Now, you yourself do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brothers, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, nor fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, and then, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. And such were some of you, but you were what? Washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord. That's the reason why I say, Peter, if we die, if I do not wash you, you're not a part of me. You're not a part of me. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of of our Lord. How, How are we going to answer people who said it is okay to have a homosexual lifestyle? When Jesus says, if you practice such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're not talking about people who are struggling with Homosexuality. No, you're not talking. He understands that this is wrong and he wants to overcome. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He sanctified us and he washed us and he cleansed us and he says, Peter, if I do not wash you, you see, you see, and let me tell you something, we are constantly bombarded with these ideas and we need constant cleansing, isn't it? I remember when I was growing up, I was growing in the church. And then what was uh, taught to us in uh, ninth class was uh, Darwin's theory. And the, our biology lecturer was so fantastic. He convinced us that Darwin was absolutely a genius. It was looking so plausible, the theory. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I came back home and I started reading the Bible. I was trying to reconcile it too. So first came amoeba, and from amoeba we became a little more complex, and complex creatures came, 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 and we became more and more complex, and then, you see, and suddenly we came, and I was trying to understand all this, how is it possible, how did God, this is exact, and he sold the idea so perfectly well. And you know, when I actually was convinced about, when I, I remember when I was, uh, Growing up, early Christian days, I was coming back to the Lord, early Christian days, I I started uh, listening to Kent Hovind. Okay, I don't recommend him. Okay, I don't recommend him. But those days he was good, he was still good. Okay, Kent Hovind. Okay, you should see his debates with uh, with uh, evolutionists. He literally steamrolled them. Okay, and is a remarkable. And then I started studying and then I was getting more and more convinced and more and more all those thoughts about, about Darwin, everything was getting more and more clear. And then I was completely convinced that this is it, boss. Nothing else. No, nobody can beat this. Absolutely fine. And you know what? We are not going to teach our children that, please. They don't need to know. <laughs> so even if they get, see, even if you're 10th class, if you don't agree, 
you'll not get first class with distinction. So for the sake of <laughs> admission into universities, you have to lie. <laughs> you see that? In the science course, and by the way, Darwin's theory, there's, there's no proof. There's no proof for it. How can you act, accept something and call it scientific just because it's a theory? Because for evolution to come, first of all, there should be what chemical evolution, first of all. From, from organic to should, I mean, from inorganic, something has to become organic. How can it be organic? From inorganic, inorganic is full of exceptions. Hmm? And from chemical evolution, material evolution, from that to life, and from, from incomplex to complex. Impossible. The basic law of thermodynamics cannot be satisfied over there. Everything is going towards disorder. And you're saying from chaos comes order. Yes, only one, only one can, one can do that. Only God can do that. Call order out of chaos. See? And how well they sell it. And another thing which was growing up in our teenage years, no? Fully convinced. Okay. No problem for people to live together before they get married. I do, I will not do it, but I will not judge others. What is wrong? And we used to have highly educated people in our circles, right? My parents, nothing against my parents, okay? My parents should, you should become like that sister, blood brother. She look, look at the way she is working hard. So there was one person whom we know in our family circles who was studying for IAS those days. IAS exam, no? Very brilliant girl. She, she cleared her IAS. Now she quit IAS because of the f- corruption of the system and she's doing her own business now. That's a different story altogether. Okay. Asha Dambi. Her name is. Okay. Malu. Okay. Asha Dambi. <laughs> okay. And we st- I used to have a conversation with her and she was absolutely okay with, uh, premarital sex. But she's discussing with me as to why it is okay. And what gives weight to her argument? IAS. Oh, IAS officer said this, Baba. How the world sells ideas like that? And we just grab it. With both hands. You see? So be very careful. So if I do not wash you, <laughs> you have no part. So Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head also. He said, take it easy. Okay. Once, look at what it says. Verse, verse 10. Verse 10. Hmm? Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Now, you have, Once you are born again, wash, wash his feet, meaning you have to have a constant cleansing of your ideas. But he, but his, uh, washes well, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not all of you. One fellow is still not there. Unclean fellow. Okay. He still got, has no part with us. Okay. And that fellow cannot become a part of you by lots. He has to be chosen by God. So even the disciples tried to make that. Bring that another fellow, make up, make up a part of the discipleship through lots. It's not going to happen. Okay. I do not wash. I, if you do not wash, you have no part with me. So how can you be a, become a part of a guy who has no part with Jesus? Impossible, right? Impossible. For all the people are convinced in their minds already, young people are already convinced it is okay if I get married to an unbeliever, I will try to convert her later on. It's not going to happen. 
Baba, two believers come together is a problem. <laughs> I'm talking about not me, uh, our lives, Isaac and Rebecca. You have an example? No? Perfect marriage. And one fellow is ready to curse, I mean, uh, bless the person who's cursed. Think about it. And you're saying that you're going to become one with an unbeliever. Ha! Not in a million years. It's a simple theory of mathematical induction, Baba. Simple. Okay. And you're saying that it is possible? What part? You're convinced. Are you? No, there's a good person. He's a nice person. He's a great guy. I will pray him into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Pray him or her into the kingdom. Okay. Already convinced. That is the reason why even after if if two believers come together, it's very important for both the husband and wife to grow. Very important. I mean, one of the things I constantly tell even my wife, I say, you know, we we have to get into the habit of reading the scriptures. It's not that you are called to preach or anything. Just to get to the rigor of discipline, of understanding every year, go through the scriptures once at least. That's a habit. So that we are growing together. Attend every meeting. If you are not able to attend every meeting, at least make it a habit that you are able to. So that we are in sync. Okay. You have to have that kind of a mentorship. Both of them together, growing together. So that you are able to complement one another. You see? It's important to do that. And all of us together in the body of Christ have to grow. So that we can supply to the other. If we are not being washed, how, what can we supply? You see? You see, understand that. So let me tell you something. That means the purpose of a part is to take and to supply. That is the reason why we are not independent. We are interdependent. We take and we give. We take and we give. We can only give. I will not take. Ha, huh, really? You are outside. You are not a part. No, you want to become what? Uh, benefactor. Like yesterday we said, we are benefactors. You're not. We take and we give. We, it's a both. It's 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 happening both ways. Okay. Those who steal should not steal any longer, but he should work hard so that he may give again. You see, it's so important. So, so a lot of people get convinced with all these arguments. What convinces them is the education of the other person. Oh, he's so intelligent. What a, what a stupid reason. Right? So many times I've seen that, no? Or he is such a brilliant fellow. So whatever he's done, he's doing, is justified because of his brilliance. So what is his righteousness? His brilliance. You see? I mean, it's a foolishness of, so it doesn't matter how intelligent and how great and how accomplished is he, is that, fellow, that person is in the world. It doesn't matter if he doesn't know Christ, he's going somewhere. Okay. He's a good person, no. He's a nice guy. He's better than most believers. Another argument. He's not a believer. <laughs> Even if he's better. <laughs> Period. Okay. Let's go to the next one. 
this is going to be a little serious but let us see first uh, corinthians chapter second corinthians chapter 6 yeah and what agreement has the temple of god with idols you know what that word for temple of god what agreement the word for agreement let me show you what agreement is let's go to exodus chapter 23 verse 1 exodus chapter 23 verse 1 you should not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. The word for do not put your hand. You know what it means? To cast your vote. I'll tell you what it means. Give me an example. I'll give you an example. In most countries where democracy is the norm, a person who is, uh, um, is contesting for elections, he's filing his nominations, he has to give a deposit of election. Okay? For example, in India, 25,000 rupees you have to give. When you file in your nominations. Now, if you don't get at least 5% of the vote, okay, if you're elected, well and good. If you do not get even 5% of the vote and you lose your election, you know what they do? They'll give back your uh, so, uh, uh, if you, if you get 5%, at least minimum 5%, they will give, give you back. Okay, you lost the election, but at least 5% of the people agree with your decision. Okay, 5% of the population agrees with your decision. So, uh, take the, take back your 25,000 rupees. Okay, we are, we are refunding your money. But if 5% of the people also don't agree with your decision, what will happen to your deposit? Goes. Okay, now, you know what God says? There are several ideas. There are several platforms in the world. Doesn't matter how that platform might look and seem on to the outside. If I am not casting my lot with that part with that platform, huh? What? You lose. You'll become a part of it. See. This is exact, this is so important. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. You'll get the principle. Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. Hmm? He who is not with me is against me. He who does not what? Gather with me scatters abroad. So don't cast in your lot with people who do not what? Or not with God. Simple. So the principle now, we know elections happen. And so much, so many people in the church, I mean, I'm telling you, it was, I'm not so, I don't get my uh, hands and mind dirty with the politics there because it messes me up and I get really, really upset and angry. So, it, and I get depressed. So I just keep away and I only look at uh, Pastor James, Dr. Richard and uh, Samir to give me inputs. Okay. So that, that is a safe source for me. So, but l- let me tell you something. It's very interesting, right? Uh, there was one person from the other, com- the, from the, from the other community who was invited by he was a pastor of a congregation, of a black, black congregation predominantly, who was invited by the White House president to give his inputs on the prison norms. Well, something, the, some prison bill came up, right? Uh, some, uh, some, uh, what they wanted to come up with some new prison reforms, yeah. Prison reform bill, yeah. So this black pastor also was invited. So he went and he looked at the bill and he said, I really appreciate President Trump for coming up with this idea. 
And what had happened, so many people in social media went out uh, uh, after that pastor, because he's from the black community. People from his own congregation saying that he is now a racist and he is apologi- he become an apologist for Trump. And what he, had to, what he had to do? He had to come back to his congregation and apologize to them. Think about it. Think about that. And he was telling, you know why I'm saying this? Because Alabama is a, is a, is a state with the, with only 13% of black, of black population, but so many people in our, in the, in the, in the, in the prisons are predominantly black and the prison reforms will actually help the black community and therefore I only agreed with the principle. I'm not agreeing with the person. He had to apologize like that. Think about that. You see what is happening in this world? And what have what have what have many Christians done, including big big people? One beat. I don't want to mention the name. Vote with wisdom. Hmm? Now you know what is happening. You have the MSG? Okay. Proverbs chapter one, verse ten to nineteen. Okay. Is very, very interesting MSG translation. Eugene Peterson, good old Eugene Peterson gives you very interesting. Okay. Dear friend, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. If they say, let's go out and raise some hell, you'll see Kumo written all over this place. Okay. Let's beat up some old men. Mug up some old women. This is exactly what he has done, isn't it? Let's pick some, let's pick them clean and get them ready for their funerals. What has, what has, what has he done? Exactly the same thing. We'll load up on top quality loot. We'll haul it home by the truckload. What is that? Join us for the time of your life with us. It's share and share alike. In the, the KJV uses was cast in your lot among us. We shall all have what? This is communism. One purse. Oh friend, he says, don't give them a second look. Don't listen to them for a minute. They are racing to a very bad end. Hurrying to ruin everything they lay, they lay their hands on. Nobody robs a bank with everyone watching. I like that. <laughs> it's actually, you know, the KJV uses a net is cast, net in when it's spread in the sight of a bird. You don't put a net in the sight of a bird. Come, have the meal. The net bird will say, Yes, I live on my instincts, but I'm not as, 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 I'm not as foolish as you. Yet, that's what these people are doing. They are doing themselves in. When you grab all that you can get, that's what happens. The more you get, the less you are. And he says, my son, do not cast in your lot with them. So that means, what, what does it say? What agreement with the temple of God has with idols? How can you cast your lot, your vote with such people like this? So when God says, do not make any covenant with them, he means all this. Don't waste your time with unbelievers, my dear brothers. 
So what did he asked? Two things he said. Don't make any covenant with them. Second thing, isn't it interesting, the first thing that they do, after they enter into the promised land, they make a covenant with the Gibeonites. Unbelievable it is. The very first thing that they do, they make a covenant. See, Joshua is only a type of Christ. That's the reason why it says in the book of Hebrews, if Joshua would have given them a rest, then they would not have spoken of another day of rest. But there still remains a day of rest for God's people. So don't waste your time with unbelievers. So what should you do? Break down their altars, meaning break down every influence of them in your life. Every. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16 onwards. 16 to 21. Yeah. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? I like the word. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The intimacy is talking about. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. And then goes on. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? No. Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice it to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with what? Demons. Because we are just not talking about demons in the sense of demons. Every doctrine, behind every doctrine is a demonic idea. Okay, he says, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. You can't. You have to have a clear severing of every influence of the demonic from your life. Like I, I loved what Pastor James said yesterday, no? The devil never commits fornication. It is you who commits fornication. But we, in, we are influenced by the spirit of fornication. You know why? Because we partake of worldly ideas. You think about it, no? Every thing in the media, is it not influenced by the spirit of fornication? Think about it. Every idea. Every idea. Can you put it in the MSG again? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 onwards in the MSG message, message translation. Yeah, I like it. Sorry, all the people who are very serious about hermeneutics. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm breaking the norm. So if you are serious about living the new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Are we serious? Act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Actually, uh, NIV says, uh, if you are mind, mind, set your minds on earthly things. Look at verse 2. Don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground. Absorbed with the things right in front of you. Boy. Look up and be alert to what go, what is going on around Christ, that's where the action is. I like that. Where is the action? Where, where, where the church is, that is where the action is. 
All the other thing is entertainment. See things from his perspective. Let's go on. Your old life is dead. Your new, new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, I like that. Because we like, we like spectators, right? We want people to justify, look what I'm doing, what I'm doing, look at the things that I'm building. Okay. Okay. Even though invisible, that's your life is hid with God and Christ. Is the rendering of it, I like doctor. Okay. Even though invisible to spectators is with cross, is with Christ in God. He is your life. And then when Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show, you'll show up to the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. What a word is that? Think about that, my dear brothers and sisters. What a word. Be content with obscurity. So what should we ask God for? The blessing of obscurity means that what is of this earth, the of this earth is glory on me, glory on me, the focus on me, the focus on me, focus on me. Nobody wants obscurity. Let's move on. Verse 5. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, and like I love the next one. Doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it. That is, I think, Ultimately, the center of it is that whatever I feel like, whenever I feel like it. And grab, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Like, you know, we remember Psalm 78, Pastor preached several back, things which were fanciful. They liked fancy things. Mm. Fancy food. They don't like manna. What is this? Exactly what they don't, they don't, they don't like manna. See? And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's life shaped by things and feelings instead by God. Look at it. Life shaped by things and by feelings. What is your life shaped by, shaped with? Things and feelings? That's exactly what it is. What do the Gentiles think? What do we eat? What do we eat? And uh, what do we drink? And what should we put on? That's all their life. And why do they go for a better job? <laughs> so that we can eat better, <laughs> drink better, and wear better. And make a statement better. Even if you are living a simplistic life, that is also a show off. Look how simple I am, even though I have so much of the of this wealth. See, Jesus was, he never talked about simplicity in that sense. Or prosperity. He doesn't say, he doesn't say the, all those things. Okay. That's life shared by things and feelings instead by God. Okay, MSG just kills it. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. The wrath of God is upon these people, right? It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and no, and not knowing any better. You were doing all this. We were all once, right? Objects of what? God's wrath. And then go on. But you now, you know better now. So make sure it's all done for good. Bad temper? It's done for good. Irritability? Done for good. Meanness? Done for good. Profanity? Done for good. Dirty talk? Done for good. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. 
it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You're stripped off and put in the fire. That's the reason why old garment cannot be made a part of the new garment. You have to put off the old man and you have to put on the new man. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. I like that. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator. Look at the, I mean, Eugene Peterson, thank you Eugene, but uh, uh, I hope you didn't mess up in the la- when you were, I mean, I, sorry, I don't want to say all those things, but interesting, no? How nicely he's putting those things together, you can understand. With, okay, uh, made by the creator with, the, with his label on it, all the old fashions are now obsolete. We have a fantastic new garment in the spirit. It is the life of Christ, the very righteousness of God. All the other things are obsolete. In fact, okay, the glory, all flesh is as, as grass. All the glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. That fashion never fades. It's always in fashion, my dress. And pastor's dressing is always in Fashion, okay. Jeans, t-shirt, nothing. I remember, you know, I was called to this place to share the word that pastor called me and he said, it's okay, you can wear uh, jeans and t-shirt, not a problem because it's a youth meeting. I mean, he was, he was, he was saying, no, you don't have to dress formal, but you know, I'm used to it now. This I cannot change. Everywhere, it is in fashion. Okay. Next, go on. Let's, let's finish that part, okay. And was, uh, Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and religious, inside and outside, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Stop there. Okay. So, understand what? Get rid of everything. Put to death, it says. Things of which is on the earth. Put to death. That is, which is earthly inside of you. Why? Because you have a New identity. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 onwards. Let's put it in a normal thing, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse uh, 17 onwards. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have, us as a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. I like this. This part is, this weeping is good. That they all are enemies of the cross of Christ. What are they? Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Okay. So even if two believers are joined together, if one is earthly and the other is heavenly, it is not an equal yoking. Okay? Very clear. Very plain. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. It's interesting, you know, um, uh, somebody was talking to me about a book which had some, uh, some, which something, something was there in that book. I said, uh, can I just give to the child to just read it? It's only fiction and fantasy. It's okay. It was not uh, Harry Potter. I think some... It's not Chronicles of Narnia. Not, not, not Narnia, not Narnia, not Narnia. Narnia is again, at least it's clear. Some other book which I forgot. Somebody was saying about this. I said, yeah, I think, but immediately my wife said, why do you want to introduce it? Why? Unnecessarily. Why? Okay. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, so, 
two things God is asking. What is that? Okay. Take away. Don't make any covenants with the, those people in the earth. And then break down all their orders. Two things. Let me tell you something. This will cost us everything. Okay. This kind of a life is not cheap. Okay. It involves everything. Let me show you a verse. Turn with me to Psalm 50, verse 5. Psalm 50, verse 5. Hmm? Gather my saints together to me. Hmm? Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. There are two weepers in the book of Ruth. They wept both times. Let me show you that book, that place. Ruth's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 8 onwards. Look at what it says. Ruth's Gospel, yeah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return to you, return each to your mother's house. Let the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the, in the house of your husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Fantastically they wept, okay. And they said to her, surely we will go and return with you to your people. Who said that? They. Both said, surely we will go. And they, uh, and with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And then go on. Turn back my daughters. Go for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I, uh, I have hope. If I should have a husband tonight and should uh, should uh, also bear sons and go on. Uh, let's read from verse 14 onwards now. Hmm? Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpa kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That is the difference. You know, I titled today's uh, uh, sir teaching us. I mean, I didn't want. So easy, Orpa. <laughs> so easy to convince you. So easy to convince you. Why? Nothing there for me. They lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpa said, thank you so much for telling me all the costs that I have to pay. I don't want to come back to this life. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister. Look at this. When the moment she has made a choice to go away from Naomi, she did, made a fantastic choice. You know what is the choice? She has gone back to her people and also her gods. It's not neutral. Return after her sister-in-law. Look at what she says. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. Two, th- two things. I will not leave you, but I will follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there there I will be buried. We can do a whole teaching on this. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. And that's exactly what God tells the church of uh, Smyrna, if I'm right. Smyrna? Or third? He says, be faithful until until death. Be faithful until death. Things are going to happen. Tribulation is going to come. In this world, you will have tribulation. All those seek to live godly lives. Ah, it's not complete. All those who seek to live godly lives. Excuse me? 
No, 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 no. That's what again. All those who seek to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. If your habitation is in Christ, you will face persecution and tribulation. You will. Be ready. Okay. Are you going to be easily swayed but like Orpa? Uh, she also wept. <coughs> Everybody weeps. Okay. But one person got easily convinced. Let's look at another place when we will stop for the day. Luke's Gospel chapter 14, verse 25. <coughs> okay, sorry. Uh, let's go back to Ruth. Yeah. Where you die, I die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And verse 18 is one of my favorite verses. Okay. When she saw that she was determined. You know what we need? We need a holy determination. To go with whom? To with Christ all the way. Okay? So that means <clears throat> if there are problems in relationships, what should you do? Fight it out. Not fight with each other. Uh, fight it out. Meaning, I want to deal with this. I'm not going to give up. Yesterday's pastor's statement was so fired up. He says, it's fellowship which keeps people in the church and nothing else. I mean, I was like stunned with that statement. It just, I just can't, it's ringing in my brains like that now yesterday. What a statement that is. It's fellowship. And how can you fellowship if we, are, if we don't have all these parameters and characteristics? And what do we do? We fight it out. Okay, it's okay. I don't care. Okay. You know, it is a test of our humility. Okay. Like Pastor made another statement. He says, in a, in a church, in any relationship, nobody wins. Everybody loses. People leave the church, nobody wins. Everybody loses. You may be winning an argument, but both of you lost in life. It's remarkable. It's just stringing in my head. No, it's like, it, it's a, that's what I said, it'll depress you. <laughs> and after that, you don't feel like doing anything, but you have to come back. What should you do? We have to fight it out. So I said, Lord, I am what? Determined. Elijah said, I'm going to Gilgal. Sorry, Jericho. Stay here. I am going all the as you live <laughs> and as the Lord live, I am not leaving you. As long as you live, I'm there with you. God is sending me to another place. As you live and as the Lord lives. Jordan East, Jordan West cannot stop this guy. What are you after? I'm after your spirit. I want that spirit. What is that spirit is asking for that life? I will not leave you and I will follow you. And the same spirit of Elijah. In other words, what, of, what are we as a church? We, are, we don't have the spirit of Elisha. There's, not a, there's nothing called spirit of Elisha. There's only spirit of Elijah. So she was determined to go with her. So she stopped speaking to her. So now she said, no, this fellow cannot be argued out of this. No number of arguments can can argue me out of the kingdom. I am determined to fight this out. Remember those days when we were quoting? Determined to get, no? (laughs) You're all laughing at me. Determined. I am not going to quit on this. Okay. What about now? God says, what about now? You have lost that first love. 
Everything is okay. Let's go back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Last verse for the day and we'll stop. Verse 25 onwards. Mm -hmm. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, what does it mean? Everything that is earth. He's not talking about father and mother. If they're spiritual, you have to walk along with them. No earthly relationship should stop you. Isn't it interesting? When Moses comes down from the mountain, okay, whoever is on the Lord's side, come out. Stand on. Who comes out? The Levites. Then he says, strap your sword to your side and do what? Kill who? Your flesh. Not somebody else's flesh. Your own. Your own. Children, brothers, sisters, yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciples. Very clear. Go. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he's a, he has, whether he has enough to what? To finish it. So what should our fellowship be? It has to be complete. Yes. It has to be complete. So that means everybody should be willing to pay the price. Lest after he has laid the foundation and not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and he's not able to finish. Stop there. Luke's Gospel chapter 9. Luke's Gospel chapter 9. Verses, last three verses. Last three verses. Last three verses. Oh, sorry. 57 onwards. 57 onwards. Okay. Yeah. Now it happened as I journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. And he said to another, follow me. Let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And then, and he said to another, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit to the kingdom of God. Okay. Come the cost. Will we be like Orpa? So easy to give up? Can we be convinced out of the kingdom in other words? Or will we fight it out? Otherwise our weeping has no meaning. Orpa wept. Ruth wept. But whose voice of weeping did God hear? Is a point. Okay. Let's look at the one last verse for the day. And we will stop. Job chapter 13 verse 15. The first part and we will stop. We will not look at the second part of Job chapter 15, 13 verse 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Okay, but even so, I will defend my own ways and all we will not say. But uh, verse 15, verse 15 is enough. Though he slay me, yet I will trust me. God, I am not, God, I am not giving up. I made a covenant with you and I will never break my covenant with you. Said who? Said Jesus. And what will you? God, I will also not break my covenant with you. I will fight this thing out. So this morning, third day of the third month, in the light of what we heard yesterday, (laughs) 
fellowship or fractured i like that what a what a what a what a transl what a it is a very convicting word i would really encourage all of us to go and listen to it again some statements were loaded it's remarkable will we fight it out will we fight out those i mean it's not like we are fighting each other we are fighting for a relationship and we don't want to give up on things and we are willing to wait for that willing to wait and whoever is humble will make the first move <laughs> amen <laughs> in any relationship right husband and wife whoever is humble will make the first move because even when we are yet sinners christ died for us we love him because he first loved us are no think about it nobody cried out to god oh sorry lord sorry nobody he came first okay amen let's pray father we just want to thank you father for this day pray lord that you would continue to work in our hearts on our hearts show us your ways teach us your paths it's not theory lord it is about life and you said lord just as i have washed your feet you ought to wash one another's feet you call me lord and you call me master and so i am and you told peter if i don't wash you you have no part with me grant us grace o lord jesus that we will truly wash one another's feet in that we will truly seek to build fellowship and it will cost us but lord you said in your word he who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all how will he not with him freely give us all things is what you promised and you're asking today one question to all of us i will will you and if there be first a willing mind it is not what according to one what does not have but what according to one has and you said in your word if you are willing and obedient you will eat the best of the land and grant us grace to that and we pray we thank you we praise you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name we pray Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a blessed day.